0: Hi friends, Dr. Missy Clifton here, welcoming you to another episode of All Things Skin. Today, my business partner and dear friend, Dr. Katie Allen, is joining me to get in-depth on skin cancer. Dr. Allen is a fellowship-trained and board-certified Mohs surgeon. She's also a devoted wife and mom of a son and triplet girls. So Katie, you are a very, very busy lady. We
1: we like to stay busy at our house. (laughs) Yes. (laughs)
0: So last time we spoke about tanning myths. Today we're getting serious about skin cancer, which is the most common type of cancer. Dr. Allen, welcome. And can you give us an idea of how many people are going to be affected by skin cancer in their lifetime?
1: Oh, on average, it's about one in five will have a skin cancer by the time they're 70. So it's a lot more common than people think.
0: Yeah, it definitely is. So clearly, it's an important topic, and May is Skin Cancer Awareness Month. So, we're going to get right into it um, with what's in store. We're going to talk about who's likely to be affected by skin cancer and what to look for, and then how to prevent skin cancer today. So, Dr. Allen, let's talk about who gets skin cancer.
1: Actually, everybody. <sighs> surprisingly. Everybody has skin. Yeah,
0: I guess that makes sense.
1: So uh, it's a misnomer. A lot of people think that it's only the pale white skin tone people that get it, but actually every different type of skin color can get it as well. So it's important to know that and what to look for. So
0: if you are looking for the most common types of skin cancers, um, can you tell me like maybe where those would be, what they would look like? Mm -hmm. That kind of thing.
1: So uh, as you would expect, the most common places are the places that get a lot of sun. So our faces, our our nose, our ears, where they stick out and where we don't get a lot of sunscreen on. The back of the neck is another common area that we see, Uh, and they usually will present... There's different types, obviously, but the the most common thing will be something new, not healing, repeatedly scabbing or bleeding or just growing. And the last thing I always tell patients is that thing that just stands out to you as odd. So you're like, why is that there? Or what is that? It doesn't necessarily have to bleed, but you're just like, what is that? It's
0: just different and new. Maybe something a little new. So you did mention that there's three different types, main types of skin cancer. Uh, The most common one is basal cell carcinoma. So run us through what someone might um, notice on their skin if they were developing a basal cell carcinoma.
1: So a basal cell carcinoma, yes, like you said, by far the most common cancer there is. If you had to pick one, that's the one you want to pick. And it'll usually present as kind of that pink or red patch that's just there. Sometimes it'll be more of a bump and it can be that kind of shiny pink pearly looking little bump Uh, or sometimes it progresses to a little open sore that keeps bleeding uh, a lot of a lot of women come in and they say it was this pimple that just didn't go away, and it just kept sticking around. So that's where that 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 wording where it doesn't heal. You want to come in and have it looked at,
0: right? And you alluded to that's the kind of skin cancer you want to get because it's the least aggressive. Correct? Yeah.
1: Yes. So basal cell carcinoma. Uh, it is cancer, so we want to get rid of it when when you have it, but it is very, very rare for it to spread inside the body. We're talking less than 0.1%. So when you, turn, when you talk about metastatic skin cancer, it would be extremely rare for a basal cell carcinoma to do that. It is a cancer, though, so we want to take care of it because it can grow deep and, and cause a lot of problems. Right. Yeah. Uh,
0: So the second most common type of skin cancer is squamous cell carcinoma. So let's chat a little bit about what that looks like and how it becomes a little bit more aggressive.
1: So with squamous cell carcinomas, they usually start more as kind of that pink scaly patch. Like it usually, you can usually feel it. It usually has a rough sandpapery type feel with that. Um, That's the most common way we'll see it. But there are other kind of subtypes where it'll just form as kind of like a, a big knot that grows quickly. Uh, And when I say quickly, sometimes it's in the span of weeks that it'll just kind of erupt like a volcano. So that is the other way we'll see it is kind of this bump that forms. Sometimes it has a little horn in the middle and can open up and form a sore. Um, But yeah, those red scaly patches are usually kind of a, a precursor. So we like to get you treated at that moment in time.
0: Okay, perfect. And also, then let's talk about melanoma. So melanoma is the a little bit more spookier type of skin cancer um, that we sometimes see. Actually, we see more often than we want to see it um, because sometimes it can be fairly aggressive and pretty scary. So what do our listeners need to be looking for um, to prevent them from getting a melanoma or get it diagnosed quickly if they get one?
1: So melanoma more commonly will present as kind of that brown or black patch that'll just look a little bit irregular sometimes it'll have a bump with it but as a lot of people don't know melanomas don't have to be brown or black too they can be flesh colored they can be white it can be pink or red so um, those are obviously unfortunately not the most common form of melanoma because they're a little harder to to find and see but the vast majority would be kind of those brown-black patches, and we kind of have what we call our A, B, C, D, E's of melanoma, and those are things that you can look for at home. We call it the A for asymmetry, so when you're looking at the brown or black patch, if one half doesn't look like the other half, then that can be a concern. B is for borders that are a little bit irregular or kind of extending out. We like nice, round, smooth edges for mm-hmm. those patches. Mm-hmm. C is for color, and when you look at it, I kind of call it a hodgepodge of color. It's disorganized, and you can have a lot of different colors within the same patch, and that would be a little bit alarming.
0: And sometimes they present, and I've seen this, even some sometimes a smaller lesion, but it could be very, very black.
1: Yes. Uh, and sometimes if people have a lot of different moles, we look for the one that stands out. We kind of call it the ugly duckling. So some people have a lot of dark moles, and then they might have this light one or the reverse. And so... You want to look at all of your moles and kind of just compare and get used to them and say, okay, why does this one stand out? Why is its color
0: different? Right. Okay.
1: Yeah. D would be back for diameter. So bigger than a pencil head eraser is kind of how we look at that. And then E, evolving. Anything that's itching, bleeding, growing, pain, anything that seems a little abnormal with it, you want to have someone look at it that's a dermatologist. Very good. So, now that we know what to look for, let's talk a little bit about
0: prevention. So, Katie, when do you recommend people start getting skin checks?
1: So it would it's it's a little bit individualized, and it would depend on your family history. If you have a family history of melanomas, um, you want to get in a little bit earlier. or if you have a lot of moles, then you probably want to start being seen kind of in your young adult years. If you're somebody that's been in the sun a lot or worked out outdoors, I would definitely say young adult years, and you want to be checked once a year at least at that moment.
0: For young with women it. that have been in the tanning, the tanning bed.
1: beds, I'm right there with you. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> we talked about that last time a little bit, and how I wish I had uh, stayed away from tanning beds and really even the real sun. Glad yeah. is a little bit more than I had. Um, so yeah, so we know that sun is a big is a big precursor to skin cancer. But there's also like a genetic component to it in a lot of cases, like you were kind of mentioning too. Can you kind of talk to that a little bit?
1: So that goes back to kind of skin tone, a lot of it. So if you're a fair-complected blonde hair, blue-eyed or green-eyed person or red hair, then you definitely have that increased risk of just regular sun damage from being out in the sun. Though That would be the more common kind of genetic predisposition. There are some rarer, fortunately, diseases that can uh, have a genetic link to uh, a lot of basal cell carcinomas or even melanomas. So Katie, you mentioned a while back that
0: melanoma and really basal cell and squamous cell carcinoma can affect anyone of any skin type. But uh, it's really interesting. If someone's going to develop a melanoma and they have darker skin, where is it usually going to show up?
1: It can be in surprising little areas, actually. So like Bob Marley, for instance, his was on his toenail under the under the skin or under the nail plate. And he thought it was just a soccer injury. So um, we when we look at you for a full skin exam, we want to make sure we look at your fingers, your toes, on the bottom of your feet. I had an elderly gentleman that was a farmer who had one that was the size of a silver dollar on the bottom of his foot. Never knew it was there. Couldn't see the bottom of his foot. So it can happen in surprising areas, and it can happen in people that have darker skin tones where they don't expect it. It can be in your eye. It can be in your mouth. So armpit, I've seen one there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it can be kind of spooky. And scalps,
0: too. You yes. know? A lot of people don't look through their scalps, so that's something we, we do with our skin checks as well is really look through the scalp and make sure we're not seeing anything new. So now that we've scared you guys to death about skin cancer, let's talk a little bit about prevention um, and early detection because I really want to reinforce that in the vast majority of cases, if we are able to detect skin cancer early, it is highly curable. Um, and easily treated
1: about ninety nine percent, yeah, they think are curable if we caught them if we catch them early, so
0: so that's good. So when you see something new or spooky, you need to let us know. Um so, Katie, tell us about what you tell your patients as far as prevention, what they need to be doing to take care of their skin.
1: first thing, obviously would be sun protection. So covering up, you know, nowadays, there's so many clothing options that are out there that make it so easy. So a lot of people don't like sunscreen. We'll get to sunscreen, but clothing is an easy thing to do. And they have the clothing now that has the UPF or the the ultraviolet protection factor, which makes it very nice. Um, So anything with that level of protection will help you keep the UV rays from penetrating through to your skin the wide brim hats that we always talk about are very helpful because we do see a lot on the back of the ears, the back of the neck that doesn't get protected. All our golfers out there bending over, you need to protect that area. And and sunglasses, people forget about the eyes and we do a lot on the eyelids. It's not fun. So yeah. make sure you wear those sunglasses. Uh, being outdoors. Obviously, I'm an outdoor lover. I, I love the beach, doing things like that. But being smart when you're, when you're outside, trying to be under shade if you can. Shade isn't 100% protective. It can, the sun rays can pass through things, but it can help if you're on under umbrellas. But just be careful about reflecting UV rays off of different surfaces like water or glass or concrete.
0: Or even snow. Yeah. People don't think that, you know, they're out on those slopes that they're not going to get sunburned and that reflective light off of the snow can really get you.
1: Yes. Yes. Sunscreen, as we talked about, very important. Usually I recommend an SPF 30 or higher and you want to reapply it every two hours. That's kind of a big one for a lot of people and the amount you apply. So if you're applying it to your whole body, it should really be about a shot glass size of sunscreen, which we all fail. Yes. I'm included. Yes, we do. And getting that amount, that's a lot. It's interesting, too, because
0: I, I too, sadly, adore the beach. It's my favorite place on earth, really. Um, And often I will see my friends or my family spraying the sunscreen out there at the beach with the wind blowing. And they're literally getting like just a tiny little bit of it. And the next day you'll see people, you know, with just streaks in these weird patterns of sunburn and white skin. Um, So, you know, really applying it correctly. And usually I recommend putting on a cream-based sunscreen first and then using the sprays and and powders and things that are really convenient um, as touch-ups is what I try try to do and force my children and family to do. It burned me one time, literally, though. Yeah, I was at the beach with my whole family, and no one was being compliant, so I went around with the sunscreen and was spraying everyone, spraying everyone, and I forgot to spray my spraying arm. So the entire rest <laughs> of the week, my right arm was red, and everyone gave me lots of grief over that one. So don't forget, if you're taking care of others, to take care of yourself, too.
1: <laughs> yeah, I would say, that in women especially, I've uh, missed my hairline right at the front And my forehead, and I see a lot of skin cancers there because we don't want to get it in our hair and we'll commonly miss that area.
0: Yeah, and that's the cool thing. There's some really awesome powder-based sunscreens now um, that I've put on my, my, right on my hairline and right in my part and go around dabbing it on my daughter's parts and things like that as well. So lots of options out there for sunscreen, which is really, really great. Mm on a day to day basis, do you recommend that your patients wear sunscreen every single day?
1: So interestingly, like when you look at the different types of skin cancer, a lot of them are related to cumulative sun exposure, which includes running errands, going to the baseball practice, walking the dogs. so, yes, I've been mean, a lot of people we've come a long way and they're in makeups and and moisturizers in the morning, but if you're going to be outside for any period of time, then yes, I would recommend you put an actual sunscreen on, not just rely on the moisturizer or your makeup.
0: I absolutely agree. There are other things that are really, really good for people that have had some sun damage already Mm -hmm. and maybe want to step up and prevent. And these are things that I kind of talk about on the cosmetic side of the practice all the time. Um, One of my favorites are antioxidants. Um there are very stable forms of vitamin C now. There's lots of other um active antioxidants um in a lot of our lotions and potions these days that are really good at reversing the damage. Mm-hmm. And I'm a really big fan of anything that contains a retinoid, um a vitamin A derivative that really does help the skin to rejuvenate itself and rebuild collagen. So those are things that in addition to sunscreen I'm usually trying to uh, to recommend to my patients. Mm-hmm. Anything else that we've missed? Self-skin checks.
1: Ah, uh, yes. Okay. So when yeah. do
0: you recommend people start doing that and how often?
1: Uh-huh. Again, it would probably depend on your, your history, your family history and your son exposure, but definitely probably in your young adult years. And just like a monthly self-breast exam for women, I recommend a monthly self-skin exam. And you're just kind of looking for those things that... Hey, that's not healing, or that patch has been there, and I don't know why it's there, and it's not going away, or something that stands out again is odd, that you're just like, I don't know what that is, it's there, but those things uh, should alarm you if they're there. It doesn't mean they're cancer, but you should just come in and have us look at it, because sometimes it's easy to be like, that's nothing. And then we find something else, <laughs> which That is, is common. <laughs> oh, that is true.
0: That is true. But, you know, your skin health is super important to us. Um, we do want you to be really checking yourselves on a regular basis. Anything you're concerned about, please don't be scared to come in. We're not near as mean as we look. Um, and it's really a pretty simple procedure, as we're going to be talking about in our next episode on how to diagnose and treat skin cancer. So please keep yourself safe this summer. Uh, head to premierderm.net to book your full body skin exam if you need one. And Katie, thank you so much for taking the time to join me on All Things Skin. Yeah, it's been fun. Yeah, glad to have you. And we'll see you at the next uh, episode as well. Friends, be sure to follow All Things Skin on your favorite podcast platform. Join us next time as Dr. Katie Allen and I talk about the next steps in skin cancer. What happens when you get a diagnosis and surgery is your next step.